Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning out there in Blog Talk Radio. And those of you who are over at Rainbow Soul tuning in or on iTunes, we know we have not just here at our Blog Talk Radio, but there's so many different ways that you all connect to Off the Shelf. So I want to welcome you to this Saturday morning. It is November the 18th. You guys, Next week is Thanksgiving. I hope you guys are all ready. You ladies and guys are ready for Thanksgiving, whether you're visiting family out of town and you don't have to cook, fortunate for you, or you have guests coming in and you, you're going to be in the kitchen, burning up that kitchen, and what a blessing to be with family and friends. For those of you who might be serving in the military, we just had Veterans Day last weekend, and I served in the Navy years ago, and you're away from your family or those who are by themselves, you can still get out and cook yourself something and enjoy that food for maybe even up to to a week. You can, whatever you like to do, reading a good book or a movie, I don't like to assume that everybody is going to be with family, but there are steps you can take and things you can do, like I said, still cooking a nice meal, still getting some decorations or doing something, calling somebody on the phone so you can enjoy the holiday and and, and treat yourself to something special on Thanksgiving. Now, we started this a couple of, of shows ago and just dropping a thought in for something for you to think about, not only today but over the next few days. And the thought for this show is, a quote from Sam Levinson, and it's, don't watch the clock, do what it does, keep going, keep going, keep going through those trials and challenges and the good times, don't stop when it gets real good either, do what, don't watch the clock, do what it does, keep going, and that's attributed to Sam Levinson, so I want to again welcome you to the winning book radio show, Off the Shelf, and I always like to thank our listeners who've been with us 13 years. I, I remember when I started off the shelf, I was I reached out to another station to see if I could get on there to promote my book, Portia, and the guy said, why don't you start your own show? Boom, and that was 13 years ago, and I've been going at it for 13 years. For those of you who have been with us throughout this entire journey, thank you, thank you, thank you. And to our new listeners, I always like to introduce myself in the show so people, I listen to radio online as well, and I hear the host talking, I'm like, who is that? I don't even know who that person is. I am author Denise Turney, and I've authored several books, and I, I also, you can find me on YouTube, and again, I've been doing Off the Shelf for, for 13 years, but I am a novelist and a freelance writer, and I will have this question to ask you guys, um, our off-the-shelf listeners, do you value mystery? Do you like to figure out who done it? And you want to know before the show tells you or the book tells you. You want to see if you can pay attention, pick up on the clues that a writer drops or an actor or an actress drops and say, I know just who did it. And then when it's revealed, you know you're right. That's something that I like to do. I like to figure out who done it before it's revealed. If you value that, that's one point. And if you also value relationships, friendships, relationships between parents and children, and that's one relationship that sticks. 
That one sticks. Whoever raised us, that's our childhood programming, and it's hard to fully shake that. If you value that and you also value love and love between two people who are meant to be together when it ties in with everything else that's going on in the universe, this was supposed to happen. If you value those types of things, I think you will love, love Pour Over Me. There's a murder mystery tucked in the book. Uh, it's, it starts in Ohio and it moves on to Pennsylvania. There's also part of Love Pour Over Me that takes place in Africa. So if you, if you value, again, mystery, love, and romance, and relationships, I think you'll really love Love Pour Over Me. And you can get it in print or ebook at Amazon, Walmart.com, ebook it. And if you don't see it on the shelves, if you want a print copy, just ask the store clerk for it. Just tell me you'd like to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney, and they can order you a copy of the book. So please go out and get a copy and let me know how you enjoy Love Pour Over Me. And now let us go to what? I know you guys have all been sitting back waiting for, and this is to meet our very special off-the-shelf guest today. And our special off-the-shelf guest this morning is Dr. Angela Butts-Chester. Now, Angela is a minister, talk radio talk radio host, and she is very good. She's a life coach, motivational speaker, writer, and entrepreneur. You know, how many guests have we had on, listeners, that do like five or more things, and she's in that group. Key topics that Angela presents on include faith, leadership, and women. Those are some key topics that she speaks about. She's also the author of several books, including Before You Tie the Knot, which we're going to discuss today, and My Life in Pink, which we're also going to discuss today. Now, one of Angela's aims is to help prepare people to thrive and to live victorious lives. And I encourage you to visit Dr. Angela Chester online at drangelachester.com, and that's spelled D-R-A-N-G-E-L-A-C-H-E-S-T-E-R.com. There's no spaces, no underlines in there. It's, again, D-R-A-N-G-E-L-A-C-H-E-S-T-E-R.com. We are so excited to... Welcome this amazing woman to Off the Shelf Book Talk Radio. She is joining a long line of awesome guests we've had here, some who you see on CNN, TV One, have been on Off the Shelf, so we want to add her to that distinguished list. So welcome to Off the Shelf, Angela. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I, I'm so happy to be able to talk to not only to you, but hopefully to share something with your guests today as well. And, and we're happy to have you here with us. Now, before we launch into the show's questions, I'm going to ask about four to five questions that I ask every single guest. And the reason that sure. I ask these questions is to give our give our listeners a little backstory on our guests before we start talking about their books or or their services. So, can you tell our off the shelf listeners where you grew up, Angela, and what life was like for you growing up? Sure. 
Um, I am originally from the Hampton Roads area of Virginia, so I am a Southerner. Um, I live in Long Beach, California. My husband's family is from the L.A. area, so uh, needless to say, I live in Long Beach, though we're in the L.A. metro. Um, Growing up for me was a very wonderful story, and I'm not trying to... uh, put anything extra on it. I know many times people try to uh, paint a picture of something that doesn't exist or see life through a lens, but I have to say that I had a really great childhood. And I say that because my parents allowed for me to be a child for as long as that was appropriate, meaning that um, I grew up kind of what we would now call a sheltered life. And that I couldn't watch, you know, certain programming. I wasn't allowed to go to um, certain locations. I didn't hear or see certain things. And as a kid, uh, looking back, I really appreciate that because it allowed me to stay just in that wonder stage of of all things being um, just wonderful and nice and knowing that my my parents and my family were there to um, protect me and to guide me. Um, I grew up in a very civic-minded family, meaning that um, you understood that your community as a whole is very important. Um, It's not just about you. It's about your neighbor. It's about your fellow church members. It's about your classmates. It's about uh, your country. And how are you trying to make a difference in the place in which you have been placed. So um, I, I can't say that I have any any bad stories. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, there were some times that I wish that I could stay out or I had a, like a longer curfew uh, as a teenager. But looking back on it, I do appreciate what my parents have done for me, and it has instilled a, a great set of values uh, for me that I have passed on to my family. Oh, awesome. Awesome. And I, I love that you aren't, um, apologetic about having <laughs> a good childhood. It would it would be mm-hmm. wonderful if we everybody could say that. Um, it's almost like mm-hmm. sometimes you people almost want to not say, "Oh, I had a good childhood." Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 It's a That's bad thing. What, what did What did you dream of becoming when you were? Uh, you said very civic minded family. What did you dream of becoming when you were a kid? Right. Okay. So when I was very young, and I'm talking like five years old, and I I know someone's going to be able to relate out there if you have a five-year-old, I wanted to be, you know, the gamut of things that five-year-olds say. I wanted to be a ballerina, and I wanted to design cars. Now, I didn't know the technical name for that when I was five years old, but those are the two things I wanted to do. Why? One, because I took ballet, and I have a love of dance. Um, I find that dance is such a beautiful art form. It allows you to express um, what you interpret or feel or understand about the music in which you're dancing and being an admirer of good music, regardless of the genre. To me, that was just awesome. Um, Still have a love of music. Still admire ballerinas, though I did not uh, continue uh, with ballet once I got into my teens. Um, I have a love of cars. I love the design, the lines of it, the the sleekness of uh, being able to um, take something that propels you from one point to another and have it look awesome all at the same time. Um, My father uh, had a love of cars. So I think that that was something that I wanted to do that would that would bond us together. Now let's fast forward till I was about 16 years old. Um, 
I now have a love for um, for religion and for the law and trying to figure out how do I take uh, my two loves and actually um, help someone because I wanted to be able to help people go from their current situation of feeling stuck or helpless or voiceless or just um, disenfranchised in some way to being victorious, feeling as though they have been heard and that that they count in the very larger scheme of things. Um, After having a conversation with my pastor at the time, um, Reverend Blunt really helped me figure out that being a pastoral counselor would probably be best for me. And following through with that, I I love being able to not only be an ordained minister, but to also be a therapist and to be able to help people, um, though it may not be um, in a court of law, it's in the court of life, if you will, their mental health, just freeing them from the things that have bound them, that have made them feel as though um, that their life just wasn't in balance. And I, I love what I do, and it has really allowed me to to help so many different kinds of people. And I mean that from um, those who need a sliding scale to those who can um, afford my services and just write the check, um, from people who see me in a seminar or a workshop uh, to those who pray for uh, private coaching. There's there's so many ways um, that I have been able to help people, and I feel that in doing what I'm doing, I'm really living out my life purpose and being that civic-minded person that my family has, has taught us all to be. I love for cause. I tell you, we've had a lot of guests on, and that's a first. <laughs> never, that is a and first. And I still love cars. I, I have yes. never, yeah, <laughs> to, to, to want to design them. I mean, I know people appreciate, yes. the uh, you know, mm-hmm. cars and trucks and things, but to, never had a guest mm-hmm. on, uh, like the guy who started Tesla. Maybe you and he, mm-hmm. he, he should hook up and talk about something. Man, Maybe I, would, get some I would designs love to going. Yes. Yes, Maybe and I still, and I still love cars to this day. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, he would. He now, would be a great guest. Yeah, yes. Who or what inspired you? You we talked about what your your ball, wanted to be a ballerina at first, and then design cars, and then you wanted to help people live a victorious life, and you're an mm-hmm. ordained minister, and you also do therapy work with people. So that's the path that you went down. But who, in regards to writing, who would inspired you to pursue writing? What birthed your love for books and writing? Um, I would have to say uh, Nikki Giovanni was one. Uh, Maya Angelou, um, Langston Hughes. Um, There were so many people that wrote from the... Um, I, I believe we were called Negroes during the time, from the Negro perspective, all the way up until we were then called the Afro-American to now being called an African-American. Um, I have a, a family that is very strong on knowing who you are culturally and being able to identify self 
according to one's own culture as opposed to allowing someone else to tell you who you are um, and the understanding of the word history. And I'm sure you have some, some listeners that know, you know, there's history and then there's his story. To be able to read um, a story or a poem from someone who looks like me or sounds like me or um, has the same um, political stance or the same cultural experiences that I have, and to be able to gather strength from their words, even though I may not have lived in their time period, I could still understand that I'm living through a version of that, um, and that perhaps they have accomplished something so that I can accomplish even more. Um, Words are very important to me, and I try to make sure that I understand the words that people are using and what is their intention behind the word. Because um, many times people will say something, and that's really and truly not their intention. They're just using the words that they know. Um, so I think being a therapist, it really helps in that I ask what I believe the person is saying. Is, is this what you meant to say? So in, in writing and being inspired by so many people, um, I was able to ask, wow, what are they really asking us, the reader, what are they asking us to do? What are they asking us to understand? And can I take this journey with them? And many times, especially with those particular readers, you were able to take the journey. Uh, Dr. Frances Cresswell saying um, is another person that she is so explicit in her writings, and I don't mean from a rated R point of view, but just giving us information and allowing us to digest that information and then run with it and apply it to our day-to-day lives. Ah, you, you're very focused, and that's good. It's not uh, a lot of or any ambiguity around what it is that um, w- you want to do. Before we go into your books, what yeah. what have your challenges taught you I know you talk about your your God, mm-hmm. God, and how you were raised to to believe and mm-hmm. trust God, and you're an ordained minister. What what have your challenges taught you about God? I think our our challenges, our experiences, create a lot of our perception. So, what have your challenges mm-hmm. taught you about God? Hmm. Well, I I understand that regardless of what my job is or what my work is or what my position is in life is that I am a child of God just like everyone else on this globe, Um, that what I do makes me no more special than any other woman or man or child. So when I take it from that perspective that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, that we are all equal, it kind of keeps it fair. It, it it allows me to have an understanding of, so I have been tasked with this difficulty. What am I going to do with this difficulty? How am I going to behave? How am I going to react? And what can I learn from this difficulty so that I am able to teach another person or to be able to understand another person's perspective or trouble, because apparently I need to go through this in order to do something with it, okay? So when we look at it as, well, I'm the victim, 
God has punished me with something, then it's woe is me, and I'm not really into the whole pity party thing. You know, there's a, there's a time to kind of cry and to be sad, don't get me wrong, because we are emotional, we're emotional beings, but we can't, we can't stay there. Um, I'll use an example of being a breast cancer survivor. When I found out that I had cancer, um, I had a very human moment. When I'm being told that information, there are tears just running down my face because no one wants to be told, you know what, uh, Dr. Chester, I'm, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but you have cancer. It just slapped me in the face. I thought that I did, but to have it confirmed is a totally different thing. So in that moment, the tears are streaming down my face, and she's giving me this information, and she says, I'm so sorry. And I said, no, no. I'm glad you gave me the information. My next question for you is, how do I get better? What do we need to do in order for me to survive? So let's get past the sad. I can deal with the sad later because I understand that tomorrow my world is going to be different. The next day, the month after that, this whole year, I'm going to have my moments of dealing with the reality of my having cancer. But how do I get better? So don't stay stuck in the problem. Let's find a solution and let's start working that solution. So for me, it was, God, what do I do with this? I am a mere human. What am I supposed to do with this? I'd never asked, why do I have cancer? Uh, Because the answer quite simply is, why not you? What makes you so special that you can't have it, that you have to be exempt? Um, We all go through what we have to go through. Some of it is, is physical and that people are able to see. Some people have internal conflict which is why they go see a therapist. Uh, Some people have physical um, um, attributes that that is very visible from like across the street, meaning that they may be uh, handicapped or disabled in some way. But we all have something that we're dealing with. Mine just so happened to have been breast cancer. And it has allowed me to be a better therapist, So that when someone talks about their illness or dealing with their parent that is now uh, dealing with medical issues, it allows me to be able to tap into the times where I had a team of doctors or I'm going to the doctor, you know, every two weeks. Radiation, chemotherapy, surgery, being on, you know, more medicine than than I would ever want to be on ever again in my life. It allows us to grow. So if if you're going through something and you know, this isn't my quote, someone else said it, if you if you're going through something, don't stop. Keep going. So how mm-hmm. can I keep going and get to that light on the other side and and be able to say, I survived. I did it. So can you Um, let me hold your hand as best I can and help you through this and and share with you what I did to to get through and and to survive. My faith is a a huge part of who I am, um, and I can't separate it out. But I think because my faith is such a big part of who I am, it allows my light to shine so that I can help others. I, I take who I am and what I do uh, seriously enough to be able to say, I'm here to help. 
however I can, what can I do? What do you need? Wow, a servant, a servant. Now, one of your books, we want to talk about both of your books, and you alluded to uh, the one book where My Life in Pink. But first I want to talk about before you tie the knot. Uh, We know how many the marriage statistics and how tough it is just being in a relationship, not only with ourselves, but even with our own siblings, talking about Thanksgiving, some families, some people are, I'm not going home because I know my cousin's going to be there. I'm not going home because I know my sister's going to be there. Or I know my uncle who always drinks too much is going to be there, and I don't want my kids around that. Mm-hmm. And to, to marriage, to marriage, and it just goes on and on and on. So uh, your book, and it's a very t- timely book, before you tie the knot, we fall in love. We, we, it's. I have two brothers. One's a pastor, and one of my other brothers is a minister. And one of my brothers refuses to marry anybody unless they go through an extensive marital counseling. It's not a quick thing. Mm-hmm. They just won't do it. But, but we we feel so in love. We feel like God is telling us this is the right person. It's going to be so mm-hmm. wonderful, and it's hard to get people to see that's going to wear off. And then Mm -hmm. when reality punches you in the face, (laughs) you're going to wish you had gone through some counseling. So that makes it it tough. So I wanted to ask you, your work as a therapist, um, and just from your own, like your personal experiences, I know a lot of your work Mm -hmm. focuses on like relationships, family, and stress management. As Mm -hmm. it regards marriages and all relationships, but really wanted to focus mm-hmm. on your book. Um, have you found that when there is a problem in either relationships, families, or stress, that it, mm-hmm. that it always impacts? So if there's a relationship problem, then it's going to mm-hmm. impact your family and your stress. If there's a stress problem, your relationships and family are going to be impacted. If one of those three areas gets dinged, it's going to, it's mm-hmm. going to hit all three of them. Have you found mm-hmm. that, based on your therapy, that, that 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 is the case? And why do you think that is? Why can't we just keep a challenge isolated to one area? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> Absolutely great question. So, yes, a resounding yes, yes, yes. If, if there is one thing that is out of balance in your life, it does have a tendency to overflow into other aspects of your life. Wow. If you are stressed, out at work, um, then you are going to bring that stress home to your family, uh, be it that you're just a married couple or if you have children. So now you're not talking to your spouse or you're not spending that quality, uh, intimate time with your with your spouse. And in intimate intimate times, I mean just that hand-holding, sitting next to each other, uh, going for walks, not just the intercourse part of it, but those things that really allow spirit to spirit contact um, without being physically together. I hope I'm I'm being kind of PG there, mm-hmm. but but explicit enough that we need to uh, make sure that we have that time. When again, you're off at work, you don't want to be bothered with that. Your children are irritating you; they're too loud, they're too noisy, or if they're teens, you know, it's too many people in the house. I don't want to see that girl. I don't want to see that boy right now. You're just 
you're just totally and completely irritated. But the same is true the other way around. If you and your spouse are going through something right now and you're you're thinking about separation or you're throwing the D word around, which um, unfortunately the number is as low as 60, but as high as 80% of marriages right now are talking about divorce within the first wow. uh, three to six years of being married wow. because people just don't have the the resources, the tools in order to have extremely successful marriages. So when something comes up, what is the easy way out? Well, it must be you. It can't possibly be me. So let's get divorced. And then I'll have my freedom. I can do whatever I want. I don't have an accountability partner. I don't have someone telling me that what I'm doing is incorrect or wrong or just all of those things. I don't need you to mother me. I don't need you to, you know, be my dad. However you're saying that to each other, it bounces back. So then what happens, your kids are affected and your children feel as though they need to choose a side or that they, depending on their age, that they're the cause of it. Well, maybe if I were a good, uh, you know, a better little boy or if I had been a good little girl, especially if you have young children, they kind of take on some of that responsibility and it can get, it can get really, really crazy in your life. So we do need to learn how to, um, and from a healthy perspective, compartmentalize what's going on in our life. Leave work at work. Leave home at home. If it's causing you problems, if it's causing you concern, if it's causing you an issue, because you have an issue with the person at work, you don't have an issue with your spouse, you don't have an issue with your kids. So if you're able to um, take off that work jacket, if you're able to leave that briefcase, if you're able to leave that work stuff at work or look at it from – if you grew up like in the 50s and 60s, they used to say we're not going to talk shop at the dinner table. We're not going to talk work at the dinner table because this is about home. This is supposed to be your oasis from all of the craziness. This is supposed to be the place where it's about love and happiness and being together. And how do we create a place where everyone feels loved, appreciated, and wanted in this particular space? So if, if people could just remember to leave it where it belongs, leave it where it belongs. You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't take the fact that you had an argument with your spouse to work and tell your coworkers all your business. That's, right. that's inappropriate, you know. So if, if we were to simply, simply do that, then I, I think that that, would, that that would really help. But relationships, people forget that we are in a relationship with everyone that we know. We tend to use the mm-hmm. word relationship just like, you know, are you married or are you single? Um, But we are in a relationship with everyone that we know. Um, There may be a different title or a different label that we put on what that relationship is, but you have a rapport with each and every person that you do business with or that you um, interact with on a regular basis. Sometimes they'll call coworkers, church members, uh, you're a barista, you know, you have that favorite person that makes your coffee the way that you like it. Um, you have your favorite bank teller, you have your favorite trash guy, you know, whatever it is, there's always someone that you're going to have a rapport with and you're in a relationship with them. So if we're on our P's and Q's with most people most of the time, 
we need to be able to remember that we also need to be respectful and be on our P's and Q's with the people that are in our homes as well. Mm, very good advice, and thank you for sharing that. I want to talk about, and this also has to do with uh, all of our relationships and then also the the marital part of it, and I want to d- dive into the marital part a little bit more uh later in the show, but what is authentic confidence? I I hear about your authentic <laughs> self. Be your authentic self. What is authentic confidence and how does that impact how we relate to others, including people we're engaged to? And before you answer, I wanted to, this mm-hmm. book, I, I saw a TV show and uh, they, they got, a woman was being mistreated by her fiancé and this guy was mm-hmm. telling her maybe Maybe the problem is, and he was telling her, you have what they, you might want to read this book, the Cinderella complex. And in that complex, <laughs> when we think about authentic confidence, a lot of times, even today, women are raised, because I know uh, we had a thing where, where I work, and they said, what do you want when you grow up? Or what is your, now as an adult, if you were still a child, what would you want? Or what do you want now? And the I was shocked that a number of women still wanted to marry a wealthy man who would pull mm-hmm. that financial load. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. But in the Cinderella complex, this woman talks about how she was taking care of everything on her own, paying her bills. She got married, quit her job, and now she's almost like partly a kid again. Not that mm-hmm. everybody, housewife, I'm not saying that that, that is the case. Mm-hmm. But when I think about authentic confidence, the confidence that we can live a good life on on our own even, then it's not a crime. But what mm-hmm. is, what is that, particularly as it relates to relationships? How does that impact our relationships, including our relationships with a fiancé or a spouse, particularly if mm-hmm. we don't have authentic confidence? What if we don't mm-hmm. have it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good, good question. So I'll I'll touch a little bit on the on the Cinderella complex and different people call different things different things. So the the general understanding is that you do want someone to kind of come in, sweep you off your feet, and have this storybook, this fairy tale life. And for some people, it is a very real thing um, in that they don't want to suffer through life. They don't want to do, like, hard work, meaning that they don't want to worry where their next paycheck is coming from. They don't want to have to worry where they're going to live, how their children are going to be taken care of, so on and so forth. And in that, we have to really ask ourselves, well, how did this person grow up? What is their context of this Cinderella complex or this Cinderella syndrome or this Cinderella lifestyle that they're, that they're hoping to live? For some people, they've been through some form of trauma. And because they've been through a trauma, they have an inability to move past a particular stage in their life. So if it happened as a child, one way to escape is to become Cinderella because at the end of the book, she lived happily ever after. So people want to live happily ever after. So we really have to look at, you know, what are they talking about really? What are the words that they're saying and how are they trying to articulate what has happened in their life, what they wish to happen in their life, and how they want to carry that out? So like you said, there's nothing wrong with wanting to um, – to marry well and make sure that you guys are going to build this empire together that you want to um, that you want to do or leave a legacy for your children. Nothing wrong with that. But why do you want to do that? And what, what is the biggest mm-hmm. question? The bigger question behind that. Now, 
authentic confidence. Um, one of the things that I talk about, um, I have a workshop, um, a keynote as well that I talk about. It's called Fresh Face, Three Keys to Authentic Confidence. And those three things are purpose, assurance, and grace. Um, we can talk about it from a faith perspective. We can talk about it from uh, the female perspective, from leadership. It's it's not a, um, a one-size-fits-all type of thing. It's something that is topic-driven. So how do you want to walk in this authentic confidence? But the three things that hold true throughout every topic about every genre, if you will, of how you could present this is that what is your purpose? What do you feel that the creator has called you to do? Um, I do not have a problem getting up, speaking in front of people. Crowds don't scare me. Um, Off-the-cuff questions don't scare me. Um, Being presented with a challenge doesn't scare me because I have this personality, the personality that God has given me. For many people, that's frightening to get up and speak in front of someone. No, Dr. Angela, I'll pass. You know, and I understand that. That's because you've been called to do something else. Perhaps you've been called to be a behind-the-scenes person. We need someone behind the cameras. We need someone backstage. We need someone to be in the audience. We need someone to tune in and listen. So each of us has a purpose. And when we understand what our purpose is, we can walk in that, and that gives us confidence, assurance. When you are assured that what you're doing is proper, true, and correct, then it allows you to continue to do it because you feel this sense of confidence. If you believe that if I show up every day and do my job, I'm going to get a check at the end of the week or every two weeks or however it is that you get paid or at the end of the day, then you're going to do that job. You're going to do your work confidently because this is an exchange. There's a, there's a reason why we're doing this. I do what I do because I love doing it, and I want a paycheck at the end of the week, let's say. So when it comes that Friday, you are assured that that direct deposit is going to be there. So you continue to do what you want to do. Grace. Uh, we all want to be forgiven. We all want to know that we are loved. We all want to have an opportunity, and we all want to know that the resource, whatever that is, that that resource is going to be available to us, that should we fall, should we slip, that there are um, protocols in place for us to get back into what good graces with, be it that it's um, an individual or that it's with God. But we want to know that there is grace, that there is a hope for our future. And if there is a hope for our future, then that means that God has given us his grace. We want the same thing with our with our spouses and for our children. Uh, we do what we do because we don't want our spouses mad at us. You know, we're great boyfriends and girlfriends because we want to be go to the next step. And if God graces us with the ability of, of long life, then there are certain things that we expect to happen. Uh, for many people, that's getting married, having children, uh, those children, you know, going to the next level for themselves, be it military or college, they will get married, we will become grandparents. Uh, we will retire from our jobs or we will retire early from from our businesses. But there are things that we expect to happen and we understand that it is because of this grace and this hope that we have that we'll be able to do that. 
So when we learn how to walk in those things, which is what the workshops or the seminars or the keynotes are about, how do we do those things? How do we carry it out um, so that we can build our confidence? But it's authentic confidence. It's not a, a fake, phony, or um, temporary sense of sense of confidence, but that it is long-lasting and it is sure. Now, you talked about a childhood and the impact on it, and we, when you talk about the, the key things uh, that can, in regards to preparing to get married, uh, not just mm-hmm. going off of feelings or, you know, you just feel like, oh, you're just mm-hmm. be together, knowing that's going to pass. And we talked about childhood when you touched on the Cinderella uh, complex. Mm-hmm. Um have to ask you this. We we do, as children, and there may not be a single one of us who didn't, we want to please our parents. We want them to be happy oh. with us. We want to see them mm-hmm. smile, and, and we, we just we want them to be happy. And I, yeah. I don't know, the, the, uh, I majored in psychology when I was in college, but we can mm-hmm. pick up people's energy. A kid can pick up. They yeah. may not know mom or dad's depressed, but they know mm-hmm. something doesn't feel right. And so mm-hmm. we want to make people feel relaxed and happy, our parents to get mm-hmm. along, et cetera. So that all, we go through years, whether we are raised <laughs> by our grandparents, aunt, uncle, somebody, a foster mm-hmm. home. We go through years of this. We want people around us, the other kids mm-hmm. in the neighborhood that like us, the other kids in school. This seems to be, other than money, I feel like this is mm-hmm. the second leading, if not the first, driving force that literally determines what we do and say. Will they like mm-hmm. me if I do or, or or say this? Going to the authentic confidence, which is, I think, critical, absolutely critical, mm-hmm. especially with the Internet. And you get instant feedback mm-hmm. from so how do you, in a relationship, even in preparing to get married, how do mm-hmm. you keep authentic confidence if your parents mm-hmm. didn't give you that reinforcement when you were a child and you were bullied mm-hmm. in school and now mm-hmm. you, you want to make this person happy with you, you're about to get married, then maybe they frown or they let you know mm-hmm. they're not pleased or you mm-hmm. were too slow, or you didn't do that right, how do you maintain, continue to live an authentic life and avoid mm-hmm. making people around you unhappy? That's a great question. Um, one thing that you should do is take premarital counseling. Now, some people call it premarital education. So if you ever see that, it's the same thing. Uh, Every therapist or pastor uh, can create his or her own program. There are some, um, uh, I'll call them like boxed programs, meaning that you can purchase it from um, a publisher that are things that are tried and true. But many pastors and therapists have their own uh, creations, their own programs that they have found to work for their clientele because we all have a base, we all have a demographic of the people that we serve. So you want to touch on the things that have historically caused for marriages to go bad, um, but you also want to think about the people that are coming and utilizing your services. In in using premarital uh, counseling or education, you should be touching on these these topics so that before you walk down the aisle, you have a better understanding of expectations of the things that are going to cause disappointments in your life. Um, you should talk about the things that are your hot buttons, those things that make you argue. Um, you should talk about those things 
that are considered your dreams, your hopes, and your aspirations. Um, if you're not having the tough conversations with your boyfriend or girlfriend, you, there's a slimmer chance that you're going to have those conversations with your fiance. So if you're not having those conversations with your fiance, then there runs the risk that by time you have the conversations, those tough conversations that are going to cause argument, and you have them with your spouse, now it's it, it's late. It's you're together, uh. and now it's oh my god! If I had known this, I I wouldn't have done this. Why mm. didn't you say this before? And the question the question could easily be asked of you. Well, why didn't you ask? So see how we say, well, why didn't you say that? Why didn't you say that earlier? Why didn't you ask? If that was something that it bothers you or concerns you or you want to know, um, there are some times that are better than others times to ask certain questions. But any time is a good time to ask the question of the person that you think could be the one. Um, another thing that we need to do is, is, is make sure that you're not rushing into marriage. You know, make sure that if you've been single and you are now 42 years old, you've waited this long. Don't just jump at an opportunity to marry the first person that says, hey, you want to get married. Um, there could be a reason why they're rushing down the aisle. And sometimes those reasons aren't good reasons. So why? Um, why have you waited so long? What are you looking for? Are are your requests realistic? Um, are you purposely sabotaging your relationships? Are you expecting something that really and truly um, one person isn't able to give you? So what what are you looking for? Why are you living? Why are you living the the life that that you're living? Um, there are so many so many reasons why our relationships. Um, today aren't working, but if we were to sit down and have authentic conversation with the people that we are in love with, then it will help us continue along that path. Um, we're all going to grow. We're all going to mature. Hands down, that's, that's going to happen. Um, but are you going to grow in the right direction? So if you have a really good base, if you have a really good root system, um, then you know that when you feed that, when you water that, then hopefully you're going to grow together. It may not be, you know, parallel to each other because one person may grow a little bit faster than the other. But if you're being authentic, if you're being true, if, you're, if you feel that in this marriage we have a collective consciousness, if I know something, you know something. If you understand that if I have, you have. If you understand that this is a covenant that we have made, with each other and that I am trying my best not to break covenant. What can I do to make sure that I'm holding up my end of this covenant? Then it changes, it changes your perspective. It changes your paradigm. Um, one of the things that I, that I tell people is, is that it's really great to choose a right partner, but you also have to be a right partner. Are you mm. the best person for your spouse? Not are you the right person for yourself? Because you're always going to be like, yeah, I'm great for me, but are you really <laughs> stupid? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm everything when it comes to yourself. Okay, that's fine and dandy, but your spouse is also living with you. So are you being the right person for them? Um, 
one of the one of the books that really really um, made a, a difference in the lives of so many people that became a a hit um, was the Five Love Languages because it it gave mm. people a voice to what they weren't able to say. They didn't know how to express. They didn't know what to say or what to do or even how to inform the other person of what they were trying to articulate, what they were trying to express. So when we understand our spouse better or we understand the person that we're engaged to as best as we can, then we're able to have an authentic marriage. So we can't see the person for just who we want them to be, but we also have to see the person for who they are standing right in front of us. So we wow. have to stop the the savior complex. Oh, yeah, I can fix mm. him. And, girl, you just wait. Yeah. I'm going to clean him up, and I'm going to make him okay. But you're not God. That's why it's a complex. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have right. that authority. You don't that ability. That person has to want to change themselves for themselves and then do the things that you're asking them to do if they agree with how you see them. So if you're Mm. a highly ambitious person, yeah, if you're a highly ambitious person and the person that you say that you're in love with is not a highly ambitious person, you're going to run into some roadblocks. Not necessarily be divorced, but you're going to run into some roadblocks because that person is like, well, why should I work at a thousand percent? You're already doing it. I'm yes, good. Yes. I, I like yes. you. You know, I like me. You want to be president? I don't. I'm happy just being who I am with what I have. So before right. you really take the big plunge and become married, make sure, that, and, and we use this for, for so many things. You know, scripture says, Make sure that you are not unequally yoked. That is so important. That is important in business. That is important in our personal relationships. That is important with everything that we do. Are we around people of like mind, of like ambition, of like cause? Now, again, you're not going to be on the same level, and that's good. So some people are going to push you. Some people are going to pull you. Some people are going to motivate you. Some people are going to empower you. Some people are going to inspire you. Some people are going to take you off. And with that hateration, you do with it the best thing that can be done. Does that propel you to go on and be the person that you've been talking about being? Is it going to propel you to go on and open that business? Because that's really what you're supposed to do. Different types of people are placed in our lives for different purposes, and we just have to figure out what are we supposed to do with them? How are, how are they suiting us, and how are we suiting them? Now, in your book, before you tie the knot, before we touch on my life in pink, we have about 10 10 minutes left in today's show. Can you tell us some of the specific topics that you discuss in Before You Tie the Knot that we haven't touched on today? Then I wanted to ask you one last question before we moved on to my life in pink. But what are some of the key topics you cover in Before You Tie the Knot? Sure. So before you tie the knot, we talk about the things that tend to cause uh, divorce most often across the globe. So not just in Long Beach, California, or in Atlanta, or in Virginia, but across the globe. And that is relationships. Uh, What are the types of relationships that you have? What are your expectations of your current relationships and of any future relationships? Um, Because future relationships means that 
at that particular time, you're going to be married. So what does it mean to be in new relationships as a married person? We talk about education and career. What are your expectations? Are you happy with where you are? Where do you want to go? What do you want to accomplish? So within that, we also talk about legacy. Are you trying to build an empire? Are you trying to, you know, younger couples say, we want to be Jay-Z and Beyonce. You want to be Kim and Kanye. (laughs) Okay. That didn't happen overnight, you know, and nor did that happen sitting on your couch, you know, watching TV. So what are you willing to do to make sure that your dreams come true? We talk about finances. Finances are in the top three. Yes, it is going to cause some problems if you have a million-dollar eye, but you only have a $10 budget. What are you going to do with your money? Who's going to be in charge of it? How do you handle it? Um, Home and housekeeping. Um, It's not something that we tend to talk about in today's society because most women work outside of the home, so we don't have traditional settings anymore. So who's going to take care of home and make sure that home truly is an oasis? Children and parenting. Nowadays, we have a lot of blended families. How are you going to carry that out? Are they going to be mom and dad? Step parents, are they going to be called by their first name? How do we deal with uh, your ex or baby mama, baby daddy drama, going to school, all of those types of things? We talk about social activities. How are you going to behave when you're not in your home? What are the expectations that you have of your spouse if they do a lot of traveling and they travel without you? Um, How do you handle those types of situations. Uh, My husband and I are both self-employed. I travel a lot. What is the expectation? Um, He travels within the state a lot. What is the expectation? What do you want? How do you want your marriage um, to to look like not only um, within your – within just the two of you, but for other people. And we do kind of touch very lightly on intimacies. Um, What are your expectations when it comes to that uh, adult time that you want to have? Uh, What does that look like? We're not talking about how, how you like it, but just what do you want? What do you need from the other person in order to maintain a healthy adult time? And I think everyone knows what I'm talking about there. And last but not least, we also talk about red flags. What are some red flags that should cause you to slow your roll? You are not married yet. Am I concerned about a particular thing? If I am, um, we're going to talk about it. Let's get this help. And perhaps you need to not get married in a week. Maybe you need to get married in a year once we get certain things under control um, because it's not about breaking you up forever. It's about getting you to a healthy place and where you're supposed to be. You know, wow. I'm glad I asked you. (laughs) That book is packed with a lot of valuable information, and you explained it so well. So um, for listeners who may know somebody who's thinking about getting married or they're thinking about it. If this sounds like the book could also help people who are already married. Uh, oh, yeah. That that is before you tie the knot by Dr. Angela Chester. I highly recommend it uh, when you explained explained in more detail what key points the book focuses on. Now I want to. We've got about six minutes left. I want to talk about my life in pink. And you know, October last month was uh, National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Why did you decide to share your personal experiences dealing with breast cancer with readers in My Life in Pink? Yes. 
So I wanted people to know that this was my experience, and the book also includes the stories of other ladies as well and what they went through. And the wonderful thing about My Life in Pink is that though we are all sisters in pink is what what I call fellow breast cancer survivors, is that though we all were diagnosed with the exact same thing, breast cancer, we all have different stories. We all have different experiences. We have similarities in that some of us went through chemo, some of us went through radiation, and some of us had surgery. Um, we all have a version of that exact same story. Um, and how did we survive and what did we do? Some women went through it alone. Some people um, went through it with a parent or with a significant other but not married. And some of us, uh, like in my case, we were married. And how did it affect our spouse and how did it affect our children and what, what did we um, – what do we want to share from a life-changing experience? So if you have been diagnosed with breast cancer or you're the caregiver, also the loved one of someone who has been diagnosed with breast cancer, is there something that one of these stories can, can help explain to you or can uh, keep you encouraged while you're going through this? Um, it, it doesn't tend to touch on uh, the part two of the book would be now that we've gone through all of that, what is my life like now that I'm past that the worry stage? I've gone past the the five years. I've gone past the ten years. And what is my what is my life like? That might be you know a follow up to it. But all of these ladies are talking about their experiences as well as I do, and you can still live a very wonderful life, even though now your life happens to be touched by the color pink. Ah. In so many different stories, not only your own, but a compilation mm-hmm. of other women's mm-hmm. stories. How how incredibly inspiring. We are coming to the end of this show. And it. I have to tell you, I had about 20 other question, uh, questions to ask you, but it went so fast I didn't get to, to all those questions. But I definitely have to ask you this before we close. Where can off-the-shelf listeners get a copy of your books, uh, uh before you tie the knot, my life in pink, and can you give us the titles of any other books you want to share? And again, where our listeners can get copies of those books. Sure, of course. Um, as with your books, you can always get them on Amazon.com. You can get them at Barnes and Nobles, uh, Google Books. Um, if you type in my name, Dr. Angela Chester, um, you will find all of the books that I have available. I do have some other uh, kind of premarital counseling books that are available. We have Before You Tie the Knot, um, just that title. That is the secular version, if you will. I have Before You Tie the Sacred Knot, which is the Christian version. Um, I also have one called um, uh, we talked about My Life in Pink, which is the, the breast cancer, and we also have The Blueprint, which is for um, more mature uh, couples getting married. So if you are over 50 or if this is your second or third time getting married, because there are some different things that you have to deal with because you probably don't have toddlers anymore or um, you're not new on your, on your job anymore and you're dealing with some other things like estate planning and all of that. And what does it mean now um, if you do have children, they're adults. 
they're not coming over your house as often, those types of things. And how do you how do you deal with being over 50 or this is your second or third marriage and making sure that everyone feels loved and no one is left out, as well as the things that you deal with age-wise with, with being married. Um, I have really enjoyed um, writing all of the books and, and all that I talk about with everyone. And it's... I just want to be able to help someone, again, just not be stuck because who wants to, you know, live in a rut? We There's so much out here for us to enjoy. And if we have the right resources and we have the right opportunities, um, then we're able to propel ourselves and just go further. So this is just one of the resources that I try to make available so that people can live their best life possible. Okay. We have been blessed with the presence of Dr. Angela Butts Chester here this morning. She is a minister, radio show host, life coach, motivational speaker, writer, and entrepreneur, and she just shared some of her other books with us. We discussed Before You Tie the Knot in Depth and then My Life in Pink, which we touched on. Please visit Dr. Angela Chester online. You can go over there even right now, and her website URL is drangelachester.com. And that's spelled D-R-A-N-G-E-L-A-C-H-E-S-T-E-R.com. Again, that's D-R-A-N-G-E-L-A-C-H-E-S-T-E-R.com. And please go out and support her books. I mean that before you tie the knot is loaded with valuable advice <laughs> and tips that can not only help you uh, if you're thinking about getting engaged or married, but it might even be able to help people who are just a co-worker, it might not be, some mm-hmm. parts of the book wouldn't be relevant, but in dealing with mm-hmm. different people before you tie the knot, and also My Life in Pink. We want to thank Dr. Angela Chester for being here with us on Off the Shelf thank this Saturday you. morning. We encourage you, thank you, we encourage you all to come back next Saturday, 11 a.m. I tell You tell all people who love books, everybody, we've had small business owners who've had books. We've had people who have started community organizations who've written books on here, motivational speakers on Off the Shelf over 13 years, New York Times bestselling authors. Tune in. Tell your friends. Tell everybody you know. Tune in to Off the Shelf Radio, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturdays. Just mark it on your calendar. And I want to wish everybody again who celebrates the holiday a happy Thanksgiving if you're alone, you can still go out and cook you something great or, or go to a wonderful restaurant, maybe catch a movie, do something fun. Don't, uh, don't, please don't allow the fact that you're not with your family or alone to stop you from being happy on Thanksgiving. So I want to say happy Thanksgiving again. Remember, you are awesome. You're amazing. You are incredible. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself today. See you back here next Saturday at 11 a.m. Dr. Chester, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now. Bye-bye.